Hi there and welcome to the Book Realities Podcast, a series of interviews with independently minded authors where we explore their books, their writing techniques, and what made them become a writer in the first place. I'm your host, Ian Hooper, and as well as being an independent author, I also run the Book Reality Experience. Hi everybody and welcome to another Book Realities, our series of interviews with authors. And today we're joined by Robert C. Littlewood, author of a trilogy of sci-fi fantasy novels which have begun with Deviance and Convergence. Hi Rob, how are you? I'm really well, thanks Ian. Great to be here with you today. No worries. And for people that don't know about Rob Littlewood, where are you? Who are you? What do you do? Um, Okay, so I'm not that far away from you. I'm in Bunbury, which is a coastal town about 200 k's south of Perth, um, the gateway to Margaret River and the wine region and uh, other great tourist spots. Great place to live. Um, Originally, though, I was born in London. And uh, my family came out as 10 pound bombs in 1964. So uh, I'm way more Australian than I am English. And what do you do for your normal working day? Are you a full-time professional writer? Uh, No, no, not at all. Um, In fact, uh, across the course of my life, I've done many, many different things. Uh, When I originally left school, I um, did all sorts of jobs uh, from stacking bricks to selling cars and um, selling jewellery at one stage. Um, And it was only till I uh, really got into a relationship with my wife uh, that I thought, no, I can't keep doing this. Um, so I ended up going to teacher's college and I became a primary school teacher for a number of years. And then from there, I went, uh, got to know somebody and uh, went across and started doing industrial relations and human resource management. So now um, I do that. That's I have a business, and which is just me, really. Uh, and I'm a consultant in those sorts of things. So I help employers with those sorts of matters. Fantastic. And as far as... Yeah, and as far as writing is concerned, I, well, I, I sang for many, many years. So I was doing master classes and shows, and uh, so there was no time really for writing. Um, although in 1986, with a friend uh, at Teachers College, we actually um, did end up uh, getting an award-winning song for the Year of Youth, which was great, which was recorded. Um, and it was actually recorded in Perth in the studios. I can't remember the chap's name now, but if you remember the, the band Sky, he was the lead guitarist for that band, um, but it never actually did anything or went anywhere. <laughs> Another failure. <laughs> when you said that you sang, I mean, was this you know rock guitarist singing or what? What sort of singing did you do? Yeah, well, I have I have sung in a band. I sang in a band for about five years, but no, I'm an operatic singer. I'm a tenor, so for a number of years I sang with Western Opera Company. Um, and actually until quite recently off and on um, lots of shows lots of amateur shows and semi-professional shows so uh, many many master classes and, and time spent driving to Perth and back um, doing that sort of thing but um, interests have changed now so so now I'm into writing. That's um, strangely coincidental because one of our other authors that we've interviewed for this series was also an opera singer uh, obviously it's a it's a thing so well done you okay. we'll come on to favorite bits of music at the end of this but um and and her answer was incredibly specific so i'll, I'll be intrigued to see what yours is going to be wow. so with regards to writing then you've written a science fiction fantasy trilogy of which the first two books are out 
Why science fiction and fantasy? I think of the genres I read, and I might say that my wife has much more eclectic taste than I do, but I tend to focus on, on, on fantasy and, and or science fiction. Uh, and I really, to this day, love the works of David Gemmell. So he's my number one favourite fantasy writer. So um, I think the stimulus for me was I had an idea uh, and I wanted to pursue that. It was the natural genre to, to, to write and express some of the things I think um and so yeah it, it started the idea was there and it germinated and when you said that you had an idea what was that idea something on an epic scale something about the overthrow of a, of a race and its rise from from ni near annihilation to to something else it's it sort of the story itself spread arms and legs though because it starts off in a I suppose, we're, for want of a better word, central location, and, and it spans out. I was always interested in the idea of, of balance, you know, something, something bad versus something good. So a person dies there, a person is born over there, that, that, that idea of balance and, and a force that has the potential to completely disrupt balance, throw it out the window, and, and, and chaos ensues. So that's, that's the, I suppose, the central theme of, of what I'm, hence the balance was. So when you brought the first manuscript to fruition, was it a finished book incomplete or were you still working on the idea that it might be one or two or three books? How did the whole structure of it come about? I, I, think, I think initially I thought it would be a single book, but it's certainly more than that. As I say, characters arrived that I was expecting to see um story went in the directions that i wasn't particularly anticipating when i started writing and anybody that writes knows what i'm talking about because there's a bit of a uh, what's the word i'm looking for um it, it, it's not you're not writing set in stone it's not like writing a say a historical novel you're writing about king charles the first and all of the things that happened during his lifetime you're inventing um a reality an alternative reality as you go so it's as much a part of the journey for me as it is for the, the reader. I'm, I'm never quite sure where I've got an idea, always got an idea at the beginning and the end, but how it gets there is, is part of the intrigue for me as well. So you're not one of these consistent plotters. You don't have a, a room full of post-it notes going from scene one, act one to act two, to act three, to act four. You've got a start and an end and it's generic and almost organic in the manner that it takes you there. Absolutely, and that's what I couldn't think of. Thank you. Uh, organic. Um, I don't write notes. Um, I will wake up with an idea, but I don't write it down because I trust myself that once I start writing, um, it's it's in the subconscious anyway. I, I mean, the idea will form, and I'll get up and I can write for a good solid couple of hours, and it just flows. There's there's no hesitancy in you know what comes next. It, it just it's just there, like it, it's it's formed. Um, and then usually with me, a couple of hours and, and I've had enough um, and, and I go off and do, do something else. I'm not a person that will sit here for hours and hours on end writing. Uh, that, that's not how I, how I do things. So um, with regards to that, then you have a routine. You'll get up, you'll do a couple of hours in the morning and then obviously you've got a job and you've got the rest of life happening and then you'll return to it the next day. Is that is that how it tends to work? That that's that's how I'd like it to work. <laughs> I, I am a I am a morning person. I, I like getting up in the early morning, 
when there's just me and 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 typing away on the, on the keyboard. Um, but if I don't do that, um, it doesn't it doesn't particularly worry me. Um, I'm not going to stress about the fact that I haven't sat down and done writing today uh, because it's part of that organic process. So I, I I I forgive myself if life gets in the way and and I can't and I can't do it. And, and as it is, I think deviance took about 12 months from beginning to end and convergence was about the same, maybe a little bit longer, but circumstances like COVID that were beyond my control. And I'm 15,000 words into the final of the trilogy. Um, and I'm hopeful that it, it will be ready maybe sometime next year about this time. Okay. And when you say that deviance, the first book, took you about 12 months from start to finish. Was that your start to finish or did that include the editing process? Um, it was it was more or less my, my yeah, it, it more or less included the, 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 the editing process, but perhaps a little bit longer than that. I, I think, yeah, if I'm realistic, the first draft, actually, no, the first draft, second, I, I drafted it myself three times before I went to get it professionally edited. So I, I think that was about the 12-month span. So probably about 15 months in, in, in total. Um, and and did I didn't... The, sorry, I was going to say, how did the editing process um, happen? Or how did you... What did you feel about the editing process? Was it a worthwhile process? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I wasn't sure what to expect, really. Um, but um, as you know, I um, I met up... Well, when I say met up, I'll be exchanged emails and, and read the manuscript at um, Alex Kwan in, in Queensland and, and I don't know, we just seemed to hit it off um, and she really liked the work which which filled me with confidence um, and I really liked the feedback that she gave. There was, it was, wasn't construed as being negative, it was very constructive and, and very, very helpful. Um, Did you change the manuscript much? Not really, no. Um, it was more fleshing out things. It's interesting that it, the pictures are in my head, so I have to create the picture with words to convey it to you. And so it was great to have that third party saying, okay, I've got a bit of an idea what you mean here, but you need to give, give me more to, to flesh that idea out. So that, that was really, really helpful. Very good. That, yeah, yeah, it was great. And do you think it's important that you get on with your editor? Do you think there could potentially be clashes if there was a... a, a a difference of opinion? I wouldn't be prepared to work with somebody. I felt that, uh, what am I trying to say here? I think you meet people for a reason, whether, whether it be personally or, or, or through contacts and people that you know. So the fact that, that, that she liked the work that I was doing, um, that the feedback was very constructive uh, was great. So I, I felt really comfortable working with that person. I, I don't think I could work with anybody that I thought didn't really respect what I was doing or uh, didn't have any sympathy, empathy with with the work that I was putting out. Very good. When you say about feedback, now that you've got two books out, what's the best feedback you've received with regards to your work? Well, when I wrote these books, I didn't really write them for anybody else other than myself. I, I can put my hand on my heart and say that. The fact, the fact that there are people out there who really like them and are waiting with bated anticipation for the next instalment uh, is, is fantastic. So I, I, I think 
it's hard to quantify the, the best feedback because people will, will read a book and, and different parts of that book will resonate with them compared to other people. So I think really when somebody comes up, I really, really enjoyed that book and I really particularly enjoyed this part of the book and that particular character, um, that, that's what gives me a buzz. That, that's really nice. And you and I attended Supernova this year with uh, Dean Buswell. Uh, obviously, Supernova to do with a, a smaller version of Comic-Con, really, for anybody that doesn't know what it is. It's a, a similar vibe to Comic-Con. What was your uh, take on Supernova? How did that feel going there as an author? I thought it was a really interesting experience. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I mean, obviously, in, in years gone by, I've been on a train and watched weirdly dressed people come on board and think, what what's going on? Um, and... Uh, and obviously Comic-Con was going on then. So wasn't sure what to expect, um, but fascinating. I mean, really interesting, the different sorts of, not just people dressed up in costume, but people selling books and artwork and things to do with all sorts of uh, stuff going on on television and, and out there on social media and so forth. So, you know, a, as you know, some some people walk past and say, oh yeah, that's such and such from that particular show. And others walk past and you think, what on earth, where has that come from? So. Japanese anime stuff and so forth, which I had no idea about at all. Yeah, it, it was very, it was very interesting, and it was great to talk to people and and have some interaction with with them as they went past in their thousands. <laughs> and you also find yourself a new artist. So, what happened there with regards to your cover? Because you've decided to have a change of approach with your cover. I I originally wanted to have a sort of quite a naive um, cover. And in a way, I was thinking about if you recall recall the cover of The Hobbit, uh, which which was a pencil drawing, I think, that Tolkien himself did. Um, So I I wanted that cover idea. But the the eye-opener for me was that famous saying that we've all heard, don't judge a book by its cover. And indeed, everybody was judging the book by its cover. Um, And Dean, who has a fantastic cover illustration of his book, People will pick up mine, read the blurb and say, oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, but I think I'll have that book <laughs> without even reading what it was about. Oh, I'll have that book because I love the cover. The cover of a book is a really important thing, which we all struggle with. But I actually thought that your idea about the naive cover and you got it commissioned as specially commissioned artwork and it's fantastic. But yes, you're right. People were picking it up and reading it and going, that sounds interesting. And then immediately picking up another book which pandered to a number of science fiction fantasy tropes. It definitely pandered to them. Yes. But it yeah. turns out that pandering to those tropes was was a way ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I had a wander around and uh, there were any number of uh, stalls sort of marketing artwork. Um, and I walked past uh, one with Brent Minahan, and there was a drawing of his immediately leapt out at me. Uh, and I thought that would really shape its will to the central character of, of Mink, Mink Abdur, who's the Graven general, really the emperor that war would have been. Um, and I thought that that figure is really stunning and, and it could easily be adapted to, to a cover page, which in fact is what we've now done um, and he changed that artwork uh, and great to work with very easy to work with and um, so yeah um, plans afoot to change the covers and it's interesting and, for other authors or other writers out there that 
you can change covers. You don't have to change the ISBN of the book. It doesn't have to change the identity of the book, but you can just change covers. And if the marketing hasn't had traction on an older cover, you can always try a newer cover and see how it works. And, and I do think that this one is very genre specific and that's a good thing. Yes, no, I agree with you. I, I probably wouldn't have agreed with you so much before, but Supernova certainly opened opened my eyes. It was very, very clear um, that that the cover was incredibly important um, in attracting people's attention. So, yeah, lesson I learned. imagine that if you're Lee Childs or Ruth Rendell, covers become less important. And obviously, later in Tolkien's life, he could have issued The Hobbit in a brown paper wrapper and it wouldn't have mattered. Um, but starting out, yeah, I think the image is, is a vital aspect. Yeah. In fact, because I've read Lord of the Rings any number of times, the first time I ever uh, was in a library and, and it was a plain grey, there was no illustration on it. The only thing on the spine of that book, as I recall, was it might have been the Eye of Sauron. And and I didn't really even know who Tolkien was at that stage. I just picked up the Fellowship of the Ring and thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And of course, started reading it straight out of the library, made sure I had the other two books and then read the whole lot because it came was in three separate volumes. So, yeah, so that was it. That was interesting. Excellent. Mm -hmm. With regards to libraries, your book is in libraries, isn't it? Yes. Yes. How does that make you feel? Oh, fantastic. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, if you never sold a book, but you know your books in there in perpetuity in a library, I mean, what, what greater thrill is that? Um, it, and as I said, at the end of the day, the exercise wasn't to write books and become a, a huge selling author. The, the, the exercise was to say, I've got an idea for a story and I'm going to write it. And, and that sense of satisfaction. I mean, to me, sending that manuscript off for, uh, for publishing was akin to putting my last assignment in when I did Bachelor of Education. So it was a real sense of achievement and accomplishment. Um, it, it was really nice. I, and really um, out-of-body experience almost when a box arrived and, and uh, my wife said to me, oh, what's in that box? I said, oh, I think these are my books. And to open that box up and, and then see your book with your name on it and the cover, that was amazing. Really, really fantastic. Now, I should say that you ordered books, obviously, but the, the beauty about print on demand is that you don't actually have to order books to get them sold. But the reason that you ordered books is that you held a book launch, a formal book launch in your our local golf club. How, how did that feel? And what was it like? Were you were you panicked that maybe one or two people would turn up? And how did it all turn out? Well, it was really interesting because I had originally gone to the library here um, and let, let's say I didn't get an overwhelming response <laughs> to the idea of doing my book launch there. And uh, the the person that was organising these things said, oh, yeah, we, we, we would struggle to get numbers. And I thought, oh, look, if I can't get 50 people to a book launch because, you know, I have a pretty strong association with the, with the golf club and I'm president of the golf club at the moment, then then I thought, well, I'll, I'll just give up. <laughs> and as it is, I think there are about 60-odd people there on the for the first launch of events, and it was a great night. It really was. Um, and some really thought-provoking questions and, and an audience that was really engaged, which, which was great. Um, and, well, you know, I'm an ex-singer and I've done a hell of a lot of stage performances, so 
I'm not I'm not phased by being up on the stage and talking about you know the book. Oh, hell, well, I'm a tenor. I'm, I'm talking about myself for an hour and a half. It's fantastic. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it right. was a really good evening. It was packed to the gunnels, to be honest. And the second book launch, which we did in tandem with another one of our authors, Trish Travaskas, was again packed to the gunnels. And the ability to be able to order copies of your own book and have them available to sign and sell on the night, but without having to have a garage full of them and to be lumbered with books that you can't get rid of is a really important thing on print on demand. It is, yeah. Uh, only issue with me is I've, I've changed my book covers and I've <laughs> got to change one for the third time. So uh, I, I've still got an original cover. It could be worth more money. Well, of course, that's that's the key. Is that have you got an original Deviance cover in years to come? Uh, because those people that have got the original uh, J.K. Rowling Harry Potter with the typo in it, and it's worth a small fortune. So there we go. So what's next for Rob Littlewood? Obviously, the third book is coming, which is going to be called Equilibrium. Equilibrium. Yeah. So, so obviously, on a balanced theme, Deviance, Convergence, Equilibrium. So. Yeah, um, I've already got an idea for a prequel, but I'll get the third one out of the way first. Okay, so <laughs> the third one's going to be out of the way, um, but you're going to continue writing. I, I, I believe so. I can't. I can't see myself stopping. I, I enjoy the process of, of writing, and and I enjoy the journey that that I go on. Um, and these characters that just seem to leap out of the book, and uh, or or your even your own characters doing things you don't expect them to do, which sounds stupid, doesn't it? I mean, you think you're writing the story. How can they possibly do things that you're not expecting them to do? But but they do, or, or they have a particular skill, and you think to yourself, I didn't know you could do that. When did that happen? And then you have to backtrack a little bit and and, and provide a set of circumstances for when that actually happened and how it occurred. So. It's a you know. it's a recurring theme with authors that say, you know, if you if you talk to someone who hasn't tried to write their own characters and tell them that you know the characters, you've written them, but the characters surprise you, it does make you sound a little bit, eh. yeah. but it's a thing, it happens. Yeah, it does. Um, and especially when you're inventing things um, or inventing a world. I mean, with the Graven people being alien, you can't make them so alien that there's no empathy with the reader because then what's the point? So, so there's got to be that unique set of differences which make them feel alien, but then a, a set of common sort of emotions and so forth that, that where you feel empathy with, with the character or the characters. And we've also spoken to other science fiction authors. This world building, you still have rules to stick to. I mean, you set the rules up. The reader then becomes familiar with those rules. If you then deviate from those rules, you, you break your own model, don't you? Yeah, you do. Uh, there, there are certainly a couple of authors that, that I struggle to read, um, and they're very popular, but I just can't get into their stories, and there's just something about it. I think I, I don't believe that. I, I don't empathise with the character. If you can't empathise with the central character, why, why you? I don't bother to read it. Um, I think sometimes movies are the same. You know, you have a beloved book. I mean, let's take Lord of the Rings, for example. How could you possibly have cast anybody better in the role of Gandalf than, whose name eludes me? Ian McKellen. Uh, Ian McKellen. I mean, he is Gandalf. Um, and I've read that book so many times. I, the, the, the Aragorn, the character of Aragorn, absolutely. 
So, you know, but if they cast anybody else in that role, you, you would think you you might think I'm struggling to to really have empathy with this because the character is not believable. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, listen, Rob, thanks ever so much for your time today. What we're going to do, if you're willing, is end up with a series of 15 quickfire questions. So if you ever watch the actor's studio with Robert Lipton, they're kind of some of his questions. We've rather plagiarised quite a few of them and added our own twist on it. So are you up for this? I uh, yes, quick fire. Okay. Excellent. Right. Robert C. Littlewood, author of the Balance Wars trilogy. What is your favorite book? Lord of the Rings. What is your least favorite book? Power of One. What turns you on creatively in life? Ah, uh, mountains, mountains, snow-capped mountains. And what turns you off? Oh, I'm not one for deserts, desert landscapes. No. Okay. Summer or winter? Uh, ooh, summer. On a completely free day to do anything you want, who do you spend it with? My wife. <laughs> and proof that you have had no former knowledge of these questions. Question seven, mountains or oceans? Um, always mountains. Mountains. Yeah. Mm. Had you known that that was coming up, you would have probably answered something different to what I pro probably would have done. Yeah, but that's okay. What is your favourite movie? Oh, Star Wars. I love the Star Wars trilogies. I love them. <laughs> this is going to be intriguing for you. If you have only one song to listen to for the rest of your life. I, I, I'm not thinking of a song. I'm thinking of Vivaldi. Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I, I'd listen to that endlessly. Okay. Mm. And if I have to press you for which movement? Uh, spring. Okay. Who makes you laugh the most? <laughs> He's not even alive anymore. Um, oh, used to wear red fez comedian. Um, Tommy Cooper. Tommy Cooper. Oh, I love that man. Just like that. You just like that. What smell do you love? Ah, fresh baked bread. What smell do you hate? Well, probably the smell of the, you know, sewers, that kind of smell. Not nice. Other than the professions that you've done, what would you like to attempt? Um, I always had an inkling to do the law. Don't ask me why. And what profession would you not like to attempt? Um, I don't think that I would like to be a doctor. No, no, too many icky things to worry about. <laughs> icky things. <laughs> Medical term. <laughs> Medical term, yes, highly technical. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Ah, yeah, g'day, Rob. I'm stuck on this line. <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> Good work. Hey, listen, Rob, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate you taking it out of today to spend some time with us and uh, looking forward to the third book. Right, so am I. Thanks, Ian. Good on you. Hey, thanks for listening to this latest episode of Book Realities, our interviews with author series. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and turn your notifications on so that you never miss any content updates from us. If you liked this episode, leave us a rating or a review as it really helps the podcast's visibility 
as does passing the pod on to any writers or author friends that you may have who you know will be interested in it. And join our exclusive mailing list at www.bookreality.com. The next episode will be released this time next week, but until then, stay safe and well. All the best.